Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. sacred assembly. Let's stand and give him praise. Darkness, I 
clap of praise before you're seated tonight. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are excited about being in the house of the Lord. And, and before we get into some other things, I, I just want us to pray for um, the friends and family of, of Kim. Uh, we just got the word just a little bit ago that she passed away uh, tonight. But here's the thing. She had her heart right with Jesus Christ. Amen. She had a struggle when she was living here. These last few months has been really hard. So we're just trusting she's in the arms of Jesus right now. She's in no more pain. Uh, she's not, uh, not in agony anymore. So let's just pray for peace for our church. Because uh, I know it's a loss to us and peace for our family. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of peace. We thank you, Lord, that you have embraced Kim and brought her into your arms tonight. We're grieving. We're, we're, we're hurtful that, that this has happened. But, Lord, she's safe in your arms. And so we take comfort in that. We pray for her family. We pray for the church family. We pray for her friends that are experiencing this loss. Minister peace as only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you may wonder, how do we got here? And some of you know uh, this story, but I just want to just go over it a little bit and get, bring our bishop up to speed and his wife. It's so nice to have with us uh, uh, our overseer, Bishop uh, Barry Clardy, and his wife, Kimberly. Uh, we're glad that you're here tonight, and uh, thanks for making that journey. They, they drove... 
two and a half hours up here and are going to drive that back home tonight. Uh, but we are so blessed that you're here tonight to, to share with us. Um, but how we got here is an amazing story that God has been doing. Um, and so it goes back to the beginning of the year. You, you know our, our banner. I, I changed it from being themed to banner. It's what we're standing under, under is that God has, has given us this word of the returning, the refining, and the rebuilding. Amen? And so we've been preaching through the, the book of Nehemiah since the beginning of the year. Not every week, but uh, we got into a, a sub-theme of the presence of the Lord. It's not about a program. It's not about plans. It's about His presence. And, and so we've been incorporating those two things together. And on July the 9th, I was preaching on, Lord, strengthen our hands. We just happened to be in Nehemiah chapter 6. And in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9, Nehemiah prays, Lord, strengthen my hands. So how many has ever prayed that prayer before? Amen. And, and so we jumped on that. But it was in studying that that something really got a hold of me. I mean, I was, and I was preparing. And, and you get to verse 15, and it says that, that in the 20, on the 25th day of uh, the month El-Ul, that, uh, that they finished the wall. It took 52 days. Well, that didn't do anything for me either when I read that in the New King James. And I'm like, okay, 25th day of this month and um, 52 days. That was kind of impressive. That was a, a great feat. But then something prompted me, I believe the Holy Spirit is like, look at it again, look at some other translations. And as I began to look and, and saw in the New Living Translation, the only one that mentioned an exact date, it said on October 2nd. And I'm like, well, okay, that, that began to speak to me because my mind started going back. The Lord started doing something in, in us. He began to give us this message of the, of the shift, right? That was on Sunday, October the 2nd. I preached that message, and so the Lord started stirring that I want to do something. And I thought, okay, what is 52 days from July the 9th? And guess what? It is August the 30th. And I'm like, well, that's a Wednesday night. We'll be together. Maybe God is up to something. And so I began to feel like the Lord wanted to bring some kind of breakthrough financially, other things uh, to our church. And, and so we begin to pray into that. But as we still started preaching on Nehemiah and, and getting into those things, almost 30 days ago, not quite, uh, I had a dream with the overseer in it. Uh, and and uh, I don't know if you told your wife about this, but I've been dreaming about your husband. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, it, it was one morning on a, on a Monday morning, uh, I had this dream that he was receiving an offering. And, and he came by uh, to me, and I'm like, I don't have any cash. I never carry any cash. I'm like, but I'll check. And, and so I pulled out my wallet, and lo and behold, there was some cash in there. And I thought, well, I usually keep the big bills in the back so Brandy doesn't find them. And so um, I, I grabbed in the back thinking it was going to be a 20, and I pulled out a $50 bill, and I was like, oh, and I was getting ready to put it back in. And, and I'm like, no, this is, for, this is for God. I put it in the offering plate, and he's like, do you need change? <laughs> I'm being serious. And I'm like, no, just give it to the Lord. But that wasn't, it wasn't all about that. It was like, is what happened after that. Got on the morning prayer call uh, and, and tuned in. And the overseer hasn't talked about money since you've been here on a prayer call that I remember. And he began to say, and he shared a, a story that he shared with me in his office. He goes, when we were at one church, uh, we were in a season, and we needed some uh, the God just to provide for us. And so uh, we trusted the Lord, but I, I made up envelopes. I took 50 envelopes, one to, to 50, and, and we laid them out. And I began to share that story, and I'm like, that can I, I, you know, I, I need to do that sometime, and I, I, maybe this is the time now to do that. Well, how many knows when I got that all ready, the lights went out that Sunday morning. And so the, the enemy's working in my mind, like, do we go ahead with that or not? I'm like, no, we're supposed to do that today. And so, Bishop, every, every envelope was taken. 
we've already begun to hear praise reports because that was leading to 30 days to hear, almost 30 days to this, this night. And we were going to bring, and you're about to bring your offerings, uh, uh, these envelopes. Many of you have already taken that and, and given. Some of them already brought them in. But th there's been testimonies. We had one Sunday morning where uh, just last Sunday a couple, uh, they're here tonight, uh, that said they received a check in the mail from a bill that they overpaid four years ago. That's not the only story. We have many other stories how God was blessing. Well, we had a business meeting Sunday night, and not a business, we had a mission casting meeting Sunday night. And we were saying, you know, we, we bought this bus. This bus was bought right before we got here. And, and so we came in, the payments have been, and I've been looking at, maybe we need to sell it. But I realized we only had about six months left. And I was like, let's just hold on believing. And when I called the bank one time, I, I thought they said it's going to be paid off in September. Like September is the last, the last one. Well, guess what came in the mail yesterday? The title to our bus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think they send these out until the last payment because we don't send in a check. It's automatically out of our account. So Brandy got in. She was, she was shouting. She was like, why didn't, I, why didn't I open this envelope earlier? I waited until later in the afternoon. We came back and was doing some work, and she was shouting. I was in here, and I'm like, is everything okay? She's like, I don't know what this means, but I think they, the bus is paid off. And she went online, and it says next balance due is zero. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's in this season that God is doing something, and we're standing firm on his word. So I want to pray a, a blessing over this congregation tonight before we go back into worship. Press into worship tonight, and as we start giving worship, I want you to bring your offerings. This bucket that's here, just bring those envelopes. Everything that is received tonight is going to go to help with this uh, project of our projector and the new lights. We've been doing it for a little over a year. Our goal now is to have it done in February for a two years uh, project versus a one. But we're going to get this complete. Amen? And the good news, as you know, we didn't take a loan for this. It was in our resources at the time we was able to do it. So we need this money back so we can use it again for other projects, for other ministry. How many believe that God wants to pour out of that? So I believe tonight, I, this is where we're at. We're about $7,000 away. I believe by the end of the time of this, this offering, we're going to be at 5000 I believe that we can hit that 5000 before February. Amen? I'm trusting the Lord. He's able. And it may not come uh, from us, but it's going to come through us and from someone else. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence that's here tonight. You're our lighthouse. You're our hope. You're our joy. And Lord, as we've heard in Nehemiah, it's the joy of the Lord is our strength. We take joy being in your presence tonight. Lord, thank you for strengthening our hands. Thank you, Lord, for the testimonies, how you have been moving through our congregation, giving through our congregation, not just from us, not just from our savings account or check account, but through us, and you're not done yet. And so we glorify your name. Bless this offering. Bless this worship service. Bless this message. And Lord, let our hearts be open and receive tonight in Jesus' name. I, after just a moment, I'm not going to introduce our overseer again because we just want to flow from worship to the word, but we appreciate you. Uh, you haven't been with us long, but about a year, and we've come to appreciate your leadership and, and how the Lord speaks through both of you. And uh, we, again, uh, thank you for making this journey in the middle of the week to be with us. Uh, this means a lot, but I don't believe it was an accident. And so I want you to be prepared. We're in a revival season. 
tonight starts this revival. Even though we're not having services the next couple of nights, we've been in a time of, of feasting. Uh, in Nehemiah, uh, they called a sacred assembly because the word of God stirred in them. And so they had seven days of feasting. Guess what we've done the last seven days? Uh, we've had Culver's ice cream. We've had, uh, uh, <laughs> we had breakfast uh, one day. Last night we had a bread fest. There's more carbs than anybody could count, but it was good. And uh, we had a great time fellowshipping over these last seven days. Tonight, though, we come for a sacred assembly. God is doing something. He's stirring within us. And it's going to continue on. Even though it's a holiday weekend, uh, there's a revival this Sunday with uh, evangelist Tim Mays. You're going to love him. Uh, he, they're good friends with the, the Clardys, and I'm sure he'll speak uh, about him in just a moment. But uh, we're trusting the Lord. So bring your offerings. Let's get back into worship and have your hearts ready to receive from the Word tonight. Amen. Will you come?
Blessed be your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Teach us how to live beyond ourselves. Everything we say and do. Take us, you're the one we 
just become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. may be seated if you can. It is so good to be here tonight at Central and Kimberly and I have been anticipating the opportunity to come and to worship with you. Uh, it has been a quick year of Niagara Fall proportion and uh, yet we have been blessed, we have been challenged and we have been charged with the fellowship of the ministries of this state and the churches that God has entrusted to us. And just so you understand that we are pastors. My wife and I, we pastored for 30 years. And for the last 18 years, we pastored the Princeton Pike Church of God in Hamilton, Ohio, north of Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, there we raised our family and watched God produce one miracle after another. 
And we've just come to testify of God's goodness and of His faithfulness. And uh, right when we got good and comfortable, and two weeks after becoming debt-free of $26 million, the Holy Spirit touched the ejection button of our comfort zone and said, we're sending you to Indiana. And we're going to cause you to go there. And we said, Lord, what are you doing? He said, I'm dislodging you from what you never owned. <laughs> I'm dislodging you from what you've never owned. It is mine. Look as far as you can to the north and as far as your eye can see and beyond. Guess what? It belongs to the Lord. And if you look to the east, as far as your eye in its limited capacity can fathom, guess what? It all belongs to the Lord. Well, you look to the other side of the west and as far as you might could imagine and maps and Google could take you. When you get to the end of it, you have to confess that it all belongs to the Lord. And when you look southward and realize that the journey isn't over yet, that as far as your feet could walk, your mind can fathom, and your life could run, it all belongs to the Lord. And when you quit running the four directions of life and you have nothing else to do but put your hand in your pocket and look down, you have to confess to that place where you stand, it all belongs to the Lord. No wonder the psalmist David said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from where comes my help. It comes from the Lord. How many would testify tonight that your help comes from the Lord? And tonight I know and I sense and feel just walking into this place. Kimberly, I want you to just stand for a moment. At the end of service, I'm going to have her to greet us before we leave tonight. But I want to go into the word of the Lord. But would you just stand? And I, I just want you to just know that the better part of me came with me tonight. And uh, thank you so much. We love you, Kimberly. And, and uh, we've been on this journey together for 30 years, and we're even better than we were three weeks ago because we became grandparents for the first time. There's an anointing that comes with that. And all the grandparents said, Oh, I love that. And then tonight to be able to come and to have fellowship with Pastor Robert and Brandy Sluter. What a wonderful team. Loving God, loving people, a shepherd with vision. Not every church has vision. And not everyone has leaders who are passionately driven by the vision of heaven to the earth. And their leadership in this state and the commitment of this church to world missions is heard as the shot around the world. Now you may not know that, but people know where Central is at. Because you have been so faithful in giving, loving, leading, sharing, seeding, sowing. Must I go on? And so perhaps tonight part of God's humor of his appointment tonight is just to do a couple of things at one time. And the one thing that I want to make sure we do before we leave is to say thank you. As the pastor of this state, by the way I know that people call them overseers and, and they call them bishops and administrative bishops. My mother said that sounds like an antique car that needs to be put in the garage. <laughs> but we're content at being pastors. That's who we are. And that's who we'll always be because we love God, we love His people, and now we even have found this place of shepherds, shepherding shepherds, and loving those who lead. And so I want you to just join me tonight. The Bible said give honor and give double honor to those who lead in the household of faith. Would you help me give honor to Pastor and Sister Sluter tonight and their vision for this house? Come on, let's thank them for their love and their leadership in this house tonight. Their family, it's, it's needed. And we love you and we honor you tonight. 
Every time I see him, he's bleeding vision. Every time I see Brandy with him, they're talking about what God is saying in this church and in their heart and the anticipation that they have. And I commend all of you for walking to the shoulders as Aaron's and hers to lift up the hands of Moses and to see God do great exploits. I want you to get this in your heart and mind tonight. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. How do you know? Somebody said, how do you know that? Because God is in your now and God is in your next. If I laid the microphone, went to my car and went home, you could say that was the shortest two-point message I've ever heard. Said amen, we had revival and God was glorified. Somebody give him praise in this house tonight. Oh, yes it is. Oh, yes it is. Now you have to forgive me because... On Wednesday nights when an overseer or a pastor of pastors is invited, he just makes himself at home. Is that all right? And after all, I've been going through pastoral withdrawals because after pastoring the local church for 30 years, this is a moment that I do not take for granted and I will covet your prayers as I stand behind the sacred desk of this pastor tonight. But I've also come on a mission. I love what your pastor said to me in preparation tonight. He said it will be different. I said, I hope so. Because when God is in a defining moment, He is not a duplicator, He is a creator. He is not a cloner, He is a creator. I heard someone say one time, I want God to do what He did in Brownsville. No, I want God to do what He does in Portage. <laughs> Somebody said, I want God to give us a, a revival as it were yesteryear. No, God can do even more and greater than mine can imagine. I want Him to so blow our minds that it exceeds our expectation and we're able to declare, look what the Lord has done. And there's so many people in this city that has been waiting a lifetime to meet Jesus. Did you get what I just said? Not church folk waiting to come to church, but there is a lost sea of humanity that heaven has entrusted to a place called Central and filled it with people of purpose that made a decision or you wouldn't be here tonight. I can't just hang my hat and hook of faith on being a church member. I am a born again in love with Jesus disciple and I've just got to do something with it until he comes. Can I tell you tonight there is an anointing in this place that's not just for the preacher to preach uh, but for the recipient to receive you shouldn't get anointed on Wednesday night somebody said but you have to understand I've been preaching this gospel since the age of seven and at the age of 52 I have witnessed in the room filled with nobody but him you see you can't disappoint a pastor whose beginnings was in the room but with nobody but him because when you start out with him, it ends with him, and anything in between is just a bonus. Tonight, I just wonder in this place, I, 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 I'm going to get into the message, and I promise I won't keep you any longer than the Holy Spirit will constrain us. But I want us to just receive tonight. Somebody said, it doesn't matter how long or how short the message is, if the seed is not buried into the soil, when you leave, no matter what was sown, will never bear fruit. But I just pray right now. I don't know what it, I feel the Holy Spirit. I've heard God say to my wife and I, if you'll leave Princeton Pike after 18 years and walk out on faith. He said, the, oh, I feel. The next place I send you as an assignment, everywhere you turn, there will be a supernatural harvest. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you because the devil fears this testimony in Indiana. 
Every week for the last probably three months, every week pastors are calling in one after the other and saying there's a fresh portal open over our church. People are being saved. I was, we were with uh, uh, Joseph Shelton and he and his family and wife Angela at, at harvest time Sunday. The week before they baptized 20 converts in the lake. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming and whatever we poise ourselves to do, we just better get with it. But with the assignment will come distraction. And we have to be wise that we may be found with our lamps filled with his oil and with our heart filled with his mission and with our shoulders weighted by, I feel the Holy Spirit, with our shoulders weighted with his mantle so that wherever we walk, wherever you go, it's not where the church is located, it's what the church is doing. Because church is not a building. Because had it been, he would have said, blessed are the footers of them that carry this gospel. But he never meant for what he had to be contained in brick, stained glass windows, mortars, and pews, and pulpits. What he intended on his church to be is a church that is alive in the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, I will make you witnesses, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Let me tell you, there is a mission and a mantle on this house. I feel it. I've only been been here about 45 minutes and I feel it without even talking it you know why because it's an ancient mission I would ask you tonight when did this church start and we would probably refer back to the date that they dug dirt but God sent me by this building tonight to remind you this church did not start when the first beam was erected on this property. The church started when he cried, it is finished at 2,000 years ago on Calvary. And the seating for the kingdom and the mission for the master was plotted and laid out in the foundation of an Acts chapter 2 church. And we just happen to be standing in the footsteps of those who have gone before us. They've left a well-worn trail. While we're talking about uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is anticipating on the, the portals of sweet deliverance saying, I can't wait till they get there so I can meet Pastor Sluter to find out what he was all about. You just let me be a pastor tonight. I want you to just stand to your feet for a moment and raise your hands toward heaven. And this is what I want us to say to God. Lord, we expect the unusual. We expect and anticipate the supernatural. I lift up my hands to you. I surrender the all of me to the all of you. Consume me. My thoughts. My past, present, and future. I submit it to you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Speak to me. Empower me. And then go with me to the harvest. In Jesus' name. You believe that prayer you just prayed just to give God praise? Come on, give Him praise. Give Him praise. You can be seated for but a moment. I know that you have been on a Nehemiah journey, have you not? And I love Nehemiah. I'm not come to rehearse, neither have come to hinder what has already been taught, shared, and said, and sown into your hearts by this pastor and others who have been on this journey of faith, this Nehemiah journey. But while I look at Nehemiah, 
it would be far removed from me to consult his life without consulting the one who was in his life. Because the same God that called Jeremiah is the same God who has called you, 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 and me. You see, if not careful, we thumb through the pages of God's promises and we get, we get lost in translation while rejoicing about them and while seeking Him, we forget in this journey of living out the word of faith and life in our own lifetime that as much as God had a story for Jeremiah, as He had a story for Nehemiah, as He had a story for all of those miracles and moments throughout Scripture that defined history, it just might be that that same God who never changes or wavers and who sleeps not but watches over Israel, it just might be that in my lifetime God will want to reveal himself to me. So I've come with a question tonight on this 50, 50, 52 days. On this culmination of an evening that's not just an ordinary Wednesday but I'm going to go ahead and declare by faith that this day is a stone of remembrance that this night will be heaven who kissed the earth at central and left his mark that when the preacher has left you in a day may forget anything I said but it will be impossible to forget what he has done because what he does is eternal what we do is temporal Tonight I just come with a question. Is there a Nehemiah in this house? When I was poised with the opportunity to come, I said, Lord, I don't know exactly what they need. He said, that's okay. Just stay out of my way and become a conduit that can do it. And I will do for them what you can. That's a pretty good deal. And I said, Holy Spirit, what is it that I could share and say? He said, probably nothing that they have ever not heard. But there's a difference between hearing what you've heard before and experiencing what you've never known before. I just got good news for somebody. Somebody in this house tonight is just one encounter with the Holy Spirit away from breakthrough. Let me save you a $600 ticket to the latest conference uh, and let me save you from having to load your bags with conference tapes, CDs, uh, and books. Let me take you back to the book and remind you that breakthrough comes when you encounter the person, the power, and the promise uh, of the triune Godhead and the person of the Holy Spirit. Breakthrough comes when God steps in the room. How do you know that? Because when Jesus stepped in to a girl they called dead, he said she's only sleeping. When Jesus stepped into the room, when there was a paralytic, they said he can't move his limb. He said he's just waiting on a miracle that's delayed. Are you with me tonight? To the one who said, but what about the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus was walking down that way, not by accident. And I'm going to tell you that when God schedules a oh, when God schedules an appointment with your life, He will take a detour that dismisses the doubt of others and the criticism of most. And He will put a beeline toward your life so that you can encounter Him in such a way that it marks you and it changes you and it rearranges you and it causes you to be after the fact who you were never before the fact. Why? Because it's impossible to have a collision with the Holy Spirit and still your flesh be what it was before you met Him.
That's why flesh can't live in the presence of God. Flesh actually thrives in religious circles. It's like a Petri dish. If you want to get a good infection, just get a bunch of religious people together and you'll go from infection to crucifixion. Jesus bore that out with his own life. God's not looking for religious people. He's looking for available people, desperate people, yielded people, hungry people, thirsty people. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I love the simplicity of this verse that confounds theologians. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. Isn't that amazing? He saved you 12 weeks and three Bible studies that said the point of your Revelation of Him comes at the point of your hunger and thirst. See, we've lost our hunger and thirst in the American church. We got good singers, but nobody's... I'm on. I can't even go back to my notes at this point because what the Holy Spirit is speaking is rhema. How many know the difference between a rhema word and a rewarmed word? Look to your neighbor and say, this is not rewarmed tonight. I didn't go to www.google.easysermon.com before I got here. I just said, Holy Spirit, let me be a conduit and let me stand up as men of old who stood up in their day and in their moment with with God's people and speak from heaven to earth. I believe God has a word for this body tonight. It's a rhema word. That means a right now word. That means a word that is in season for your now. God reminded me that as you take the tapestry and the thread and needle of time and of experiences from minor prophets, major prophets, and all the messed up from the floor up people in between that Scripture is comprised of, somewhere you're going to find you there. Somewhere you're going to find me there. And the catalyst that determines your destiny is not a lack of His promises. He don't have to promise anything else. Everything He promises, yes and amen. I'm just waiting on Jesus. What are you waiting on? Because he's already done all that he needs to do. What he's waiting on is people who will activate their faith and determine not to be distracted and to walk toward destiny as if they, I'm going to preach this, as a bride walking toward her groom. You ever been to a wedding? You've had a wedding here recently, haven't you? When the day of wedding happens and the doors open, all of a sudden the bride could care less who is here and who is not. I've never watched a bride come down the aisle just waving at everybody. (laughs) They save that for the afterglow. But when that door opens, they've only come for one reason. They're They're about to make covenant with the groom. And it doesn't matter if somebody's passing out over here or somebody's gaining their attention over here. They have a laser beam focus that becomes their testimony that says, Not today, devil. Somebody in this room needs to go back and pick up your testimony of confession and say to the enemy, not just on Sundays or Sundays, but every day of your life, not today, devil. No, no, I'm not going to be a garbage can as a receptacle of what the enemy wishes to put into my life. My ears have been made to hear from the Holy Spirit. My life has been made to serve the Lord. I want somebody to testify to your hand. My hands are his hands. Come on, somebody. My hands are his hands. My feet are his feet. My my life is his life. Y'all, when the devil ever gets notification that you're already sold out and there's no vacancy here, 
It's at that moment that holy determination, though some may call it stubbornness. I like what one great elder and gray-haired man of wisdom poured into my life years ago. He said, you know, stubbornness is nothing but determination that's been sanctified. If God can ever take that part of our flesh and hewn out of it a determined spirit and a made-up mind, I wish somebody would get that before you walk out tonight and say, I might lose a lot of things, but I'm going to pick up this. I'm going to regain a made-up mind. I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. I made up my mind I'm going to build up and not tear down. I made up my mind that whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things of good report, I am going to think on these things. Why? Because my ears have been made to hear the Holy Spirit. How do you know that? Because the seven churches of Revelation, he didn't say, he that has a big building, hear what the Lord says. He didn't say he that has a denomination that seems more holier than the next, hear what the Lord says. He didn't say those who are wealthy or those who are poor, hear what the Lord says. He said he that has a ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I wonder if tonight before we leave, if you'd take a few moments and say, Lord, anoint my hearing to hear what the Spirit is saying to this, to this church. So when I got ready to come up here tonight, the Lord said, I only have one question. Don't complicate it. Don't trip up and don't fumble the ball. I said, thank you, Lord, because while my wife is sometimes so OCD, she's CDO. On the other hand, I'm so ADD that DDD becomes so quick I forget it before I recite it. God has to do whatever he does quick through me or I'll forget it. So he made it simple. He said, I want you to ask them one question. Is there a Nehemiah in this house? You can study about him. You can walk around him. You can celebrate him and sing about him. But until you've been touched with the same God that you read about, studied about, and sung about touches your life, then all he becomes is a historical reminder of a celebration that you can never call your own. At some point, we've got to look at the next generation and quit repeating just what God did for them and let them witness an open demonstration of what he will do for us. I'm getting gray hair by the day, but I'm glad I remember a day that the Holy Spirit had claimed His church and the fivefold gifts of the Spirit were in full operation within the body and miracles, signs, and wonders followed them that believed. They laid hands on the sick. They Come on, somebody. It left a mark on my life and it said to me what my grandmother had in faith. I can take it like a mantle because what was in... Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. What was in Timothy, Paul said, was first in your mother. And before it got on her, it was in your grandmother. Some of you need to leave a blessing before you walk out tonight. And when you come back in, begin to believe that there is a Nehemiah in this house. I know this may sound foolish, but God uses foolish things to confound the wise. Touch somebody and tell them, the Nehemiah is me. Go ahead and tell them, the Nehemiah is me. Hello, Mr. Nehemiah. No, that's your, that's your flesh name. Hello, Nehemiah. You know, he reverted right to his name. No, my name's not Nehemiah. No, no, there's a Nehemiah sitting in this seat tonight. There's a Nehemiah sitting right there in that seat. You see, the enemy doesn't fear how much you talk about the Nehemiah of the past so long as no Nehemiah shows up in the modern day. I'm going to read you a scripture and then I'm just going to land the plane whenever God lets me land it. He said in Nehemiah 1, 3 through 4, I, I want to leave you with this scripture tonight. Now, you say, it's the end of this 52. Why do we go back to the beginning? Because I'm pretty sure that's where you started. 
And for those who arrived late, though they walked through 52 days and still didn't get it, grace allows you to go back and start on the first day again. Did you get that? How many thank God of His grace tonight? I mean, He doesn't leave anybody behind. If you're a little late, you don't get it. He just says, come on back here. I'll walk with you. I'll be patient with you. I'll show you because it's not about 52 days. It's about what you get and what you become in those 52 days. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 is the only two verses I'll read in this reading. It said, and they said to me, speaking of Nehemiah, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. They are in what? They're great affliction. Things are not going well. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. They are decimated. They are unrecognizable. They are ash heaps. And it came to pass that when I heard these words, just at the mention of the words, I haven't even seen it yet, but when I heard it, something melted in my heart that I sat down and I wept and mourned for certain days and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now that seems like a sad despair and a portrait of gloom. But if you won't just bypass, read over it, but go back and revisit it, it becomes the womb of conception of everything God was about to do in his life. Oh, I want to be on coronation day. Can you invite me to the ribbon cutting? Can you invite me to the party to celebrate all the hard work that culminates on day 52. I have news for you. There is no celebration personally, corporately, or spiritually on day 52 if you haven't learned the lesson of chapter 1. I'm going to say this because I just feel like it. The modern day church of America is not seeing less results because we have less. In fact, quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, Physically and financially, comparatively through ages past, the modern day American church has more as far as it relates to the physical attributes than any other generation before us. But amazing to me in so many things that they possessed, we have relinquished if not lost. One guy said to me years ago, he said, I have a problem with some empty seats in my building. I said, the problem is never empty seats, it's empty people who sit in them. And what is it that will cause a person's life that is empty to be filled? The same encounter that Jeremiah, whom, by the way, lived to be the ripe age of 70. Thirteen chapters of this wonderful story of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the wall as it was birthed from one man from heaven to earth who would stop long enough to weep. You see, we perfected shout and conferences on how to worship. But you can't hear weeping in the church house anymore. We're too busy watching our clocks and checking off the list of our religious to-dos. And God said, if I can find a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl who will be so moved, listen, moved not just by what you see, but what you hear. Somebody said, how do you do a temper of test 
of your spiritual walk with God. When you take the pulse beat of your reaction to a world that is sin-cursed and a world that is killing babies by the millions and a world that is defaming God and causing an identity crisis as Goliath did to David in a generation that says you're not a girl and you're not a boy and you don't know who you are or what you are. And somebody said, isn't it sad that we're living in a culture who's so convoluted they don't even know their identity? And my response to that is the reason culture has lost this identity because the church no longer knows hers. When the church loses who she has been called to become, then everything else follows to that level of life. To the level that the church determines to shine its light will be to the level that darkness cannot be seen. And We don't get any further down the road spending our prayer times cursing darkness while God has called us to be the light. I want you to get this before we leave. Is there a Jeremiah in the house? Jeremiah, 70 years old, 13 chapters attributed to his story. And yet, this many years later, people can't forget about him and they're still talking about him. Why? Because he had a, he had a Nehemiah chapter 1 moment where what he not, had not even seen penetrated his soul and he responded it to it by saying, I must do something about what I feel. He didn't even see it. There was no Google. There was no internet. There was no, there was no iPhone. There was no evening news. There was no, there was no morning newspaper as it were. There was something that he had heard and at the mention of it, it caused a burden to pierce his heart till his weeping. The Bible said that they that may weep for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know why the church don't have joy in the morning? Kim, we probably need to go home because we've got a long drive. I'm going to say that again. Do you know why there's no joy in the house of God's kingdom? God hasn't changed. It's because... We have lost the beauty of weeping because in brokenness comes beauty. That's why he said, I'll give you beauty for ashes and joy for. Well, why don't we have more joy in the church? Because where there is no mourning, there is no joy. Nehemiah, before you get into his story, you have to stop and ask yourself the question, who is this man? And if I don't know him, how can I know that there's a Nehemiah in me or in this house? And I look at this man who's weeping, and the Bible said he begins to call on the name of the Lord. For four months he prayed. I have people that get nervous over a one-hour prayer meeting. I get people that you insist you're going to have a prayer revival. They're disappointed because they don't have somebody to stand on a stage and entertain them beyond their sacrifice. They'd rather watch somebody else do what they refuse to so that they can give birth and have celebration to that which they have no ownership of. That's why it's easy to pack a coliseum for two hours but no one to win the loss for the other six days of the week. Jesus didn't call us to pack coliseums. He called us to evacuate hell and fill heaven. Go ye therefore into all of the world and make disciples. Nobody gets excited about that because you know what? That is not the culture to which we have been born. We have appealed to what we feel. We often build things and we label it success by what we see. If you don't know if that has infected the church, just let somebody sing a style of song that you don't like. You may stand a little of it, but let them do it a long time and you'll determine in your heart what you're really in love with. When I was pastoring years ago, a lady came to me and she said, I just want you to know I don't like the worship this morning. I said, good, because we were not worshiping you. 
sometimes you have to be reminded it's not about me. It's not about, it's not about others. It's about Him. When your life comes into alignment that I'm going to love what He loves and like what He likes and hate what He hates, God, I just want it to be about you, then all of a sudden death can't hang around anymore because wherever Jesus is, life comes. And Nehemiah was about to be introduced something about this promise giver and promise keeper as he said, I can't just sit here and weep about it. After four months of prayer, something came in him and something came on him. And he got up and he said, I've got to do something about it. I can't just pray about it. But I got to now do something about that which I've prayed for. Thank God for prayer, but prayer apart from obedience will never birth a miracle. You need to write that down. Prayer apart from obedience will never birth a miracle. Go ahead and write it on your neighbor's car. Follow them until you remember it as your own. Listen to what I'm telling you. Prayer without obedience will never birth a miracle. Oh, we're just waiting for people to come and fill this house. It will never happen. Until you go ye. Yet your come ye and let it be baptized in your go ye. Jesus didn't say come ye into all the world. He said go ye therefore into all of the world. The statistic of the American church holds us guilty to this truth. That less than 5% of those who fill congregants and worship centers on Sunday morning. Only 5% any time in the last 60 days have witnessed of their faith to someone who has lost one time. Is there Nehemiah? Oh, we just need the whole city. No, you just need a Nehemiah. I need 10 people. No, you don't. You just need one good Nehemiah that said, I'm moving in prayer and through prayer to a place of chapter 2. You can't go to chapter 2 until you've been to chapter 1. And he said, I've got to do something with what I've been burdened with. Here's where religion gets in the way. Religion says it can't be done. You don't have the resources. You don't have the time. You don't have the capacities. You don't have. He just lines up all the excuses of why you cannot. But when's the last time you stepped out into God's living room and looked up into the eastern sky and you saw the sun and you realized that NASA can study it, they can't reproduce it? Why? Because the God who created that, it has never failed to shine since it was spoken into existence. I'm going to tell you about the power of His Word. Anything that God from creation spoke to His Word still stands at His command. Everything that man has created by his hand, it may take a thousand or two for it to crumble, but it fades with time. But nothing that has ever been that has come from the mouth of God has ever failed to the hands of man. Why? Because God's word is established and it cannot and will not fail. Come on, somebody. If you're gonna come on, give him praise. If you're gonna be any kind of church, be a word church. If you're gonna be a worship church, let the word permeate the worship. He sent his word and he healed them. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall never pass away. David said of him, I have hid his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. There is power in the word of the Lord. Nehemiah through prayer got filled with a promise from God that he had to do something with. And he said, you know what, I don't have the resources, but I think I'll go to the source. I, if, if this is the last thing I tell you tonight and I left, this would be worth the haul of two and a half hours. Don't ever let the enemy cause you to stare at a circumstance that you evaluate the capacity to conquer it by what you see with your human eye. 
I mean, at the age of 33, the first church we went to, and they said, your monthly mortgage is $85,000 a month. I said, I can't do this. God said, good, get out of my way. Let me show you what I do. One obstacle after another, I said, I don't know how we're going to do that. And God said, that's the reason I brought you here. Most people are qualified by how much they know, but you're qualified because of what you don't know. Because if you ever think you know it, you'll try to do it. But as long as I keep you at a plate, oh, don't you miss this. It's a Nehemiah moment. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, this is a Nehemiah moment. As long as God can keep you at a place where what you face is bigger than your capacity to defeat it, then you will always need him, search for him, be passionate toward him because here's how God works. He puts you in places where you can't do it, but he will do it through you. And when it's done, people will look at it and know you couldn't have done it, but then they'll look and can't deny that it has been done. And guess what? Then God gets all of the glory and God gets all of the praise. And we can then begin to sing, look what the Lord has done well just look what the Lord has done well, I've had some how many's had some Nehemiah moments I've had some Nehemiah moments people walk up to me and say you know that's not going to happen I'd say you had not seen God lately have you, have you seen his sunset lately it's pretty awesome the lapping waves on the seashores around the world testify of their creator I mean somebody said Will anybody testify? You've missed the greatest testimonies. It started with the sunrise this morning. And the, he and the heavens declared his glory. While we run around here on this thing called planet earth wondering if this thing could be done, if my family really could, I'm talking about a Nehemiah moment. Can my family that the enemy has decimated and on the ash heap of faith that we've tried to pour into our children and to our family only to realize that the reality says they're lost and they're dying and they're addicted. But God said out of the ash heap I will cause the rebuilding of the walls of my promises. Don't doubt me, says the Lord. Don't doubt me. In fact, while everybody's focused on Nehemiah's Passion and pursuit to rebuild a wall fails to learn this lesson. There could not have been a wall rebuilt if there had not first been a wall burned down. Look what the enemy did. He burned down my family. He burned down my finances. He's burned down my health. Do you realize that God said there's an after this? You can either stand in the ash heap and say, look what the past has swallowed up in victory. Or you can stand on top of the ash heap and say, I wonder what the God of now is going to do next. I want somebody to get that. I just wonder what the God of now is going to do next. Truett Cathy, when he was living, anybody know who Truett Cathy is? He is the preacher of the gospel bird, now gone to the sunny shores of sweet deliverance. He is the CEO and the founder of Chick-fil-A. Isn't that a spiritual thing? But before he died, I had an opportunity to meet him and speak with him as he spoke with a small group of us pastors in Florida. And he said, when I was growing up, I was a stutter. In fact, I was so much of a stutter, I was embarrassed to even talk or communicate with one, less, less much many. And I would carry on a card, an index card, my name, so that when people would ask me, I would just put that up there. I would say no word because I didn't want to be mocked and I didn't want to be belittled. He said, the only thing I knew to do was cook because you could stay in the kitchen and stay private, not have to talk with anybody and feed a whole multitude and still make a living. He said, but one day I got a call that my livelihood and my dream was on fire. I'm going to preach this. My walls were crumbling and my gates of destiny were falling into ash heaps. He said, I took myself over there and watched the fire trucks put out the last burning ember of everything I'd invested in. And I stood there with my stuttering anguish and I wept. 
and said, all is lost. He said it took a Nehemiah called his wife who stepped into that smoldering ash heap of their livelihood and looked at Truett Cathy and said, what are you going to do now? He said, I, I don't know that I can do anything. And then he said, like a mantle coming from Elijah's shoulder. It hit me and I looked at her and said, you know, if I can't do nothing but make a chicken sandwich, I'll make the best sandwich that's ever been made. I bet some laughed and said, just get the insurance money. Go to Florida and find something to do and ride bicycles until you retire. But he said, I went inside a kitchen and I began to experiment and realized that God doesn't allow circumstance to dictate our future. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't allow circumstance. By the way, if a person can dictate your future, it means that God was never in control of it. Can I go ahead and say that again? If, God, if man can dictate your future, that simply reveals that God was never in control of it. All right, sometimes we need to go back to the theme park theology. When I was a kid, they said, you want to drive that car? And I said, I'm not old enough. My dad said, get in. I thought, but I'm not big enough. It's bigger than me. I'll wreck the thing. And my dad said, get in. Well, I'll scoot over here because I'm so short I can't see over. He said, get over and get in. You're going to drive this thing. And I thought until I was about the age of 10 that I'd been driving this thing at the theme park. It was a setup. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, it's a divine setup. I had my hands on the wheel. I was honking the horn. I was moving from side to side. But it took about two years of revelation for me to stand back one day and realize that that car was never under my control. It was connected to a track that it could not leave. I feel the Holy Ghost up in this house. Somebody said, the devil burned down my house. No, he didn't because whatever he took away, God said, I've got something exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask or ever think according to the power of God that works inside of you. Well, the devil took my health. No, he didn't. He just, God's just going to allow your feet to, to follow a path as a missionary, maybe to a medical hospital. And while you're there, you're going to lead somebody to Christ that would have never heard the gospel story. And then when he heals your body, you get to say to people, look what the Lord has done. Nehemiah. There's a Nehemiah, there's a Nehemiah in this house. I feel it. Who said, I'm not going to just weep over what has been. Don't get stuck. I, I, don't, I, I have not spoken to anybody in this house, including your pastor in this measure. He, he didn't help me prepare tonight. I want a God word, a rhema word. But I don't know why the Lord's inflected this in my spirit to remind somebody or everyone in this house. Don't get stuck in chapter 1 unless you miss chapter 13. Don't get stuck on day 1 unless you miss the finish of day 52. Let me tell you, how old am I? How? I'm 52 years of age. Isn't that amazing? A day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. It had took the previous generations four years to build that same wall. But when God stepped in, it took them 52 days. You know what that speaks of? It speaks of two things that I believe in. Can I just speak over this house? I speak this over your family, your life, individually and corporately. It is the revelation of divine acceleration. What you thought would take years all of a sudden takes months and what you thought would take months takes days and what you thought would take days takes weeks and what you thought would take weeks takes hours and what you just was convinced would take hours takes seconds. You said, do you really believe in that? Oh, I'm, I'm living it. 
Now that doesn't mean that life is easy. It doesn't mean the devil ain't mad. It doesn't mean I don't go through hell. I just decided I'm not going to let hell prevail. Somebody put that on a bumper sticker and let it be your guide. I am not going to let hell prevail. He didn't say you wouldn't go through some things. In fact, he said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them. How? Out of them all. It's a, somebody shout, it's a setup. No, you may get in that car and it's like it's going to leave the track, but God said, I've got my hands on your life. He that hath, oh, I feel this. He that hath begun a good work in you, he is able to complete it. And if you have that resolve of Nehemiah and that confidence as he stood, he said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. God said, I'm about to introduce you to a revelation of divine acceleration. And then the second thing he gave him is divine favor. Did you know favor's not fair? You know why? Because favor will get you what money can't buy. God brings you to right places at right times for the right thing for His glory. And everybody say it's for His glory. Now if you think it's all about you, you've missed the mark. And I remember at 33, I had a Nehemiah moment. I want to share it with the church before I close. I've had many, we've had many Nehemiah moments. We're still living in Nehemiah moments. If you're going to do what we're doing right now, you're going to have a whole lot of Nehemiah moments. But I remember at the age of 33 when they said to us, you're going to Princeton Pike. It wasn't Princeton Pike where we started. We started with a church of 30 people in Portsmouth, Ohio. And when we got there, they said, welcome. We forgot to tell you, we can't pay you a dime. I said, that would have been nice to know with a pregnant wife in tow. And could you at least tell us where we're going to live? They said, well, the place that we was going to move you in, we have sold. But while you're here, we just want to say welcome to a church that can't put you in a house and couldn't put food on your table. And oh, by the way, what we would give you is remuneration to help you live. We'll do that as soon as we get money in the bank. My pregnant wife of just a few months was sitting in our apartment with very few pieces of furniture. And I'm sitting there getting drilled by the winds of a wall that's burning down in my presence. The gates of my anticipation, expectation were falling off the hinges and whatever wasn't on fire had just been lit. And as if that wasn't enough, one of them looked at the other and said, Hey, George, you want to tell him the bad news? And I'm thinking if that's not bad, and God, I, had, I tell you, I felt a mantle come over me in my early 20s. And he said, Don't flinch in the face of adversity because the Lord your God is with you. Notify your faith. Your face with your faith that everything's going to be all right. They must have thought I was tore up from the floor up because while they're telling me the bad news, instead of frowning, I started smiling more and more. And one of them said, did you not just hear what we told you? We have nothing to offer you. I said, I didn't come here for your perks. I came here to win a harvest and to see souls set on fire for God. And by the way, I didn't come to pastor your church. I come here to pastor this city. They said... George, go ahead and give it to him. And he slid in my knee of my hand. A stack and a file about that thick. And they said, it's filled with creditors. And in 30 days, they're coming after three-fourths of everything we have. What you going to do about it? And I laid it down with the only thing I knew that Nehemiah knew to do. And I said to the king, lest you give us the resources, this ministry will be falling to the ground. God said, give it to me. I will, keep, I will keep that which you commit to me against that day. Not share with me, but what you 
give to me fully and wholly. I said to them, I'm going to dress up Monday morning in my Sunday finest. I'm going to every creditor with one dollar in my hand, not with a beggar's voice, but with the voice of authority of a king. And when they ask me what I'm doing there, I'm telling them there we're there to pay down a debt that I did not owe, but I've been brought here to pay, and one dollar at a time. God said, you lay the dollar down, and I'll create the harvest. Oh, we got to come up with all this money. No, you just got to come up with an AMI that just acts, I felt the Holy Ghost, who will just obey him one good time. And in that church, they wanted to tell me how bad it was for the last 60 years. And I made up my mind for every minute they tell me about the past, I'm going to take three minutes to tell them about the future. Don't you know we had some 3 o'clock in the morning council meetings? I just testified of what the Lord was doing. And I'm telling you, I watched the glory of the Lord come into that house and he flushed us out of the house. We said one day that God said to me, why don't you go down to Crack Avenue, set up 500 chairs. Your church won't seat but to 175 and get ready for the harvest. They thought I'd lost my mind, then I confirmed their suspicion. I said, we're going to go beyond the walls into the harvest. And I preached into the projects and watched dozens of people come to Jesus Christ. And for the next three years, we watched a revival break out that did not end for the whole time that we pastored that people. Why? It was a Nehemiah moment. Let me tell you what happened in that Nehemiah moment. One night on a Sunday night, the Holy Ghost was falling. I mean, you can't be where the Holy Ghost is and the devil prevail. Nehemiah came to the presence of the king and he changed everything. I want you to touch somebody and say, one minute in the presence of the king changes everything. He left his prayer perch and by chapter 2 he walks into the king and he says in chapter 2, I have a vision and a passion, but I'm missing one thing. And he said, what is it, son? He said, it's provision. And it's permission. Provision and permission are powerful tools in the hand of God. Some people have provision, but they don't have no permission. And some people have permission, but they have no provision. But my God, when you get into the presence of one, who does? God said, I'm going to show you that the same God, He wants to show, I believe He wants to show this church right now in 2023 that it's not a story read, it's a reality lived. He took a 33-year-old preacher from a 7-year-old boy who didn't know nothing but to preach to a room filled with nobody until God gave me something. And all of those years, I fast-forwarded to the age of 33, 32, when we had been to Portsmouth, we'd seen God's hand. Oh, by the way, it only took one, oh, I felt the Holy Ghost. It only took one Nehemiah on a Sunday night with the Holy Ghost falling and said, can I see you after church? I said, yes, sir, can I help you? He said, how much do you owe in your building? I said, oh, you want to buy? He said, no, I want to pay it all. While the Holy Ghost is moving, this man looks me in the eyes and said, by this time tomorrow, you won't owe a thing on this property. I took all of the elders downstairs. They said, what's this meeting about? I said, look what the Lord is doing. (laughs) Somebody said, it's a Nehemiah moment. You said, well, he couldn't do that again. He's done it again and again and again. We fast forward through time and we're, we're brought to this church where we're sure we can't do it. But he made the same promise he did to the, to, 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 the, to the prophets of old. He said, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. And at 33 and 32, I'd never built a doghouse. And yet he put in my hand the assurance of building an $8.5 million community center. And it happened in the year, and I close with this, 2008. Anybody know what happened in 2008? The lights went out in America. The financial woes and distress imploded and like history will record that we had seen since the Great Depression. And guess what? I was greatly depressed. 
because we, by faith, three months before that occurred, had just spoke with faith and said, we're going to build a place for every generation to be able to come and meet Jesus. And an $8.5 million erected steel structure with just a rooftop in and the economy falls through the floor. I watched one day 40-something members of Princeton Pike Church lose their job from one corporation. All the way home, all the way home, hell breathed down my neck. He said, you're going to make a fool of yourself now. You're too far in. I even had educated elders who came and said to me, son, don't you think we ought to call a moratorium to this vision? I said, listen, the only reason that we should back up and stop if we don't think God is in it. That's the only way we should do it. What do you mean by that? I'm simply telling you that, that if God's not in this, we're in trouble anyway. But I said Moses didn't cross over the Red Sea because he stuck his rod out. I believe when God looked down, his feet was wet. And he said, i got to do something. Somebody shout, there's a Nehemiah moment. A man called me one day in the middle of all of that. We were six months out from completion. People losing their jobs everywhere, and I don't even know where the money's coming from. And he said, can I have breakfast with you at Bob Evans tomorrow morning? I said, hey, when a pastor's depressed, gravy and biscuits is a wonderful baptism. Don't look at me like that because some of you have been baptized two or three times in that same water. I sit there with not too much hope, filled with gloom and despair and agony on me because I had read the score. I'd watched the news. I'd seen the people cashing their jobs, losing their minds because they didn't know how they were going to pay their mortgage. And God gave me a Nehemiah moment after prayer. Everybody said it starts with prayer. He said, I want you to do the opposite of what you think you should do. He said, I want you to give more to missions than you've ever given. I said, now how's that going to fly? I mean, most of the colleagues I'm talking to say, we're pulling back, we're holding toe, we're not taking on any more. God said, I want you to add five more missionaries. I want you to give them full support. And I said, Lord, I don't know where it's coming from. And he stopped me and said these words. He said, you need to remember, if I'm anything to you, I will never be your resource. If anything, I'll always be your source. There's a difference. That man sat across from that breakfast table that day and he said, a preacher, he said, I've been watching my portfolio and he said, Wall Street has lost all but everything I've got. Everything I'd stored up for my children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, I've watched it leak like a, blust, a, a, a busted thing. And he said, I can't recapture all, all that I'm losing. But he said, before I lose it all, I went back and said, what, see what I had left. And I remembered. Somebody shout, he remembered. You see, Nehemiah, the reason he went forward is because he remembered what God told him in prayer. And when he went before the king, the king said, you may not have the provision, but everything you need, I'm going to put in your hand, including favor, that when you leave out the doors chamber, you're going to go and do what God's called you to do. Don't fear, Sanballat. Don't fear Tobiah, for I have given you a will to work. And the Bible said, because the people had a will to work, they finished the wall. I'm standing in 2008, and he looks at me with just a few months and deficits running high. And he said, the Holy Spirit told me if I would act in obedience today, he would bless it. And he reached over into his pocket, and he said, God told me to give you this half million dollars today. And if you would take it to not relinquish the vision and don't consult Wall Street or what you see around you to deter you from what God has put on the inside of you. The Lord is with you. Do all that He's put in your heart. I dropped my fork into the gravy and I had a Bob Evans outpouring sitting right there. 
But God said, if you won't put an ex, somebody needs to get this. If you won't put an exclamation where I want to put a comma, he said, I'll keep doing what I've already done. The person beside him said he told me his story and I checked my portfolio and when he told me what he was going to do I thought why not because it's not going to be mine 30 days anyway. And he said I don't have what he has but he said I had $350,000 and if you'll take it and put it with it do all that God's told you to put in your heart. That's enough to cause a man to shout and see the victory and get caught up in the third heaven. But if you won't put an exclamation point where God wants to put a comma he'll keep doing what God does. And a woman came to me and she said, I don't have their story. But she said, we sold a part of a company I was invested in and I didn't even know that I was getting the dividend. And they mailed me a check for $250,000. Would you put that with that? And whatever God has told you to put in your heart to do in the darkest time of economy, God's economy is not broken. He will do it through you if you will allow Him. I I called our clerk and I said, if I die of a heart attack on the way to the church, the miracle is in my left pocket. I want you to stand to your feet with me. Now, Pastor, I speak this over you. I believe God sent you. Here's a Nehemiah. I affirm that. I believe that. I receive that. But I believe there's three things, and I charge you with this today. I believe there's three things in light of what I don't even know how you taught this or how you've journeyed this Nehemiah journey. But I, God gave me three things to impart to you. Number one, he has sent you here in the midst of this year to repair. Repair the broken walls and the burned city gates that they might be secured so that the king of glory can come in and do a brand new thing. The number two thing I believe he's brought you here as a leader to do is to rebuild. Somebody lift your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost on me. What I mean by rebuild is by empowering the people to each do the work of a Nehemiah chapter 6 moment. He didn't say, y'all watch me do all the work and watch me do all the singing and watch me do it. He said, every person get around the wall and you are responsible for rebuilding the gate. Gates. The third and the last thing I believe the Lord wants me to tell you is that he's brought you here to reinforce. In other words, that word reinforce means that the devil couldn't burn down everything. There are some things that remain that was never supposed to be taken away. So don't stand on top of it and forget the value of it. He said, I will raise it back up and I will send re- oh, I, feel the Holy Ghost. I will send Holy Ghost reinforcement and that which you think you lost will not be lost. Why? Because this is God's church. I want you to touch three people on your way to this altar with me tonight and remind them there's a Nehemiah in this house. Come go with me. Come on, there's a Nehemiah in this house. Come go with me. Everybody fill this altar with me for a moment. We're going to pray. I know I probably went past my time. But I just had to excrete what the Lord has put inside my spirit. What your pastor shared at the beginning was a powerful illustration. Somebody said, what is this? Somebody say, divine demonstrations comes as a result of extreme obedience. I don't know if I believe that. Ask ask the blind man who let the master mix spit with clay, put it in his eyes. He didn't have to do that to be healed. God was stretching the limitation of his obedience. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. What about Naaman? How many times did he dip down in the Jordan? My God, why couldn't he have just healed him on the first round? But God was stretching his obedience because obedience is the womb of the miraculous. You're just one act of obedience away of God doing something hysterical. When God woke me up in the Sackett Church, our pastor, we were in need of adding staff and doing I said, God, I don't know how to do this. He said, I am the God who put the coin in the fish's mouth. I put it there. It don't make sense for to go fishing and get money to pay for your taxes. That makes no sense at all. That's why it's called supernatural. It's not natural. He said, the fish are in the pew. And I put the coin in the fish's mouth. It's not their coin. It's my coin. And he said, I want you to take an envelope. He said, because the envelope represents the net. And I'll never forget, I went to the store and bought an old shrimp net. And I don't even know what a shrimp net is. And I took those little nets, those envelopes. And I said, God, what did I do with this? He said, put a, put a value to it. In other words, speak to it. You know reasons we don't get we often what we need because we don't define with our mouth what we need. God didn't create things out of thought. He created things out of the spoken word. And yet we walk around wanting God to visit us with a mind reading gift. Speak to it. I feel the Holy Ghost. That son or daughter, speak to it. That addiction, speak to it. Pray about it, yes, but everything God did that had the miraculous on it, He spoke to it. The man with a withered hand, he spoke to it. We don't speak about anything about others. We don't speak the creative word of God. Let me tell you what happened. I just felt the Holy Ghost just hit me from the top of my head. Raise your hand in this place. My God, I feel him in this house. I feel him in this house. Come on, lift up your other hand and begin to just receive of him. God, I believe there's an AMI in this house. There's an AMI in this house. There's an AMI. Just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Let me tell you what happened. Somebody come down and they looked at it and said, this has got a three on it. What did I do with this? I said, if God gives you $3 in 30 days, give him the glory and give it back to him because it's the coin in the fish's mouth. Here's what they did. They said, oh, I don't need to wait 30 days. I got $3 right here. I said, no, that's your coin. I want you to be able to witness the supernatural so that you'll learn a principle that out, outweighs your understanding. And had a medical doctor. His name was Dr. Lair at Princeton Pike. He got number 17. Now, he's a medical doctor, the county physician. And he looks at me and he said, I got $17 right here. I said, God don't want your money. He does want your obedience. He said, what does that mean? I said, if you find the $17, know that he put it there. It's the coin in the fish's mouth. And that's heaven's wink to remind you. If he can do that as a setup, he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask of thing. Yeah. Next Sunday he came in. He said, can I testify? I said, absolutely. He said, you ain't going to believe this. He said, Hollywood can't make this stuff up. He said, I was going to a physician's conference and told my wife to go in the closet and get a suit I wore in two years took it to the cleaners the cleaners when we went to pick the suit up said we have a little envelope here we found something in your pocket he said well what was it they said I don't know but it was 17 dollars 
He said, now I know that may sound silly to some, but it reminded me of what you said, Pastor. God don't really need me to enrich him. I can't enrich him. He didn't look over tonight at an archangel and said, I've never heard that kind of preaching. You can't impress God with your gifts. You can't impress him with your obedience. I, I, I've got a question that I'm going to leave and walk out the door with my bride and we're going to drive three hours home south. Are you willing to be a Nehemiah in this church? Ma'am, are, are you willing to be a Nehemiah in this church? Sir, are you willing to be a Nehemiah here? Ma'am, I see a Nehemiah mantle on you. Sir, are, are you willing? Ma'am, if you are, just raise your hand if you say, Lord, I'm willing to be a Nehemiah in this church. Come up here, Kimberly. Join me. Me and Kim's going to pray a prayer of faith with you tonight. Lift your hand as high as you can get it. Father, we declare over this body that there is a mantle, there is a shift. There is an open window and a portal of heaven that we believe that you express and want to open over this body afresh and anew. Lord, you have been a well of blessing over this body for years. You have allowed wells to be uncapped and oil to flow throughout this community, through this vessel for decades. But God, you have something fresh and you have something new in your supply that I believe you're wanting to do right now. I want you in this house right now. If there's a man to find another man and lay hands on his shoulder, if there's a lady with another lady, I want you to go grab. Listen, Nehemiah couldn't do this by himself. He said, I've got to have some workers to help me build this thing. There's some workers that need to build this thing. Oh, hallelujah. We speak over this body that there will be anointing of unity, anointing to work, anointing to pursue, anointing to partner, anointing of a burden that will cause people to break out in a commitment to prayer. I know this may sound crazy, but I pray for a prayer revival to break out in this church. An old-fashioned prayer revival. Absence of the voice of a man. Absence of the voice of a woman but that the Holy Spirit began to speak through His people. I speak, Father, that You'll raise up in this body a passionate pursuit of the things of the Holy Spirit. I pray for fresh vision, fresh revelation, a renewal of passion and purpose and pursuit. I pray for wells that have not yet been even dug, but yet wells that need to be uncapped. I pray that you'll cause there to be a fresh river to flow from the inner beings of the, your Nehemiahs in this house. I pray for, fi- Pastor, lift up your hand where you are. I pray for finances yes, to flow into this house. Blessed be your name, Lord. I pray that the Spirit of God's favor will flow and be enlarged in your territory. You said, what about this flow? 
Let me just tell you, wherever you find the flow of God, you find everything you need. Who in this house tonight needs healing in your body? Raise your hand because the same God that brings provision brings healing. Lift up your hands, man. I speak to your body. I don't pray for it. I speak to it. I command every fiber, every tissue, every muscle to align itself with the Word of God. It to be elevated to the words of the one who created you. I command from the top of your head to the soles of your feet to be healed and to be made whole according to his word. Now walk in and just give him praise. Come on, sis. Healing in your body. I speak to it. I don't just pray about it. The authority to which he has given you, he said, is to tread upon serpents. And yet he's given you the keys to the kingdom. I speak over your body the word of the Lord Jesus. He sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word and he healed them. I speak to you in Jesus' name. I speak to the needs of your life in Jesus' name. Sir, whatever concerns you, I speak to it by the authority of Jesus of Nazareth. I speak over you and to you by the authority of Jesus, Jehovah God. Everything you need tonight is in His presence. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Sir, this is a Nehemiah moment for you. A Nehemiah moment for your life. Soto Pashadoko Randabasha. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, in our bed. I worship you. I leave you with this tonight. Kimberly, join me. We leave you with this tonight. This is day 52. I'll never forget tonight because I'm 52. Does anybody know what, what Nehemiah's name means? Anybody know that? Nehemiah's name means Yahweh comforts. It may be on fire, but it's going to be all right. Nehemiah's name means Yahweh comforts. Man, it looks like I'm losing my whole family. It's going to be all right. I just got told some bad news in the doctor's office, and my hinges to my gate of confidence just fell in the floor. Yahweh comforts. It's going to be all right. Pastor, I, I've lost some things that I want to hold on to. If it falls out of your hand, it just fell into his. Yahweh comforts. It's going to be all right.
I want you to turn to three people and testify them with a Nehemiah spirit tonight, with a Nehemiah testimony. Yahweh is comforting us tonight. It's going to be all right. Go ahead and tell three people that. Yahweh's comforting us. It's going to be all right. Yahweh's comforting you. It's going to be all right. Yahweh is comforting you. It's going to be all right. Yahweh's comforting you. It's going to be all right. Kim, I want you to pray a prayer, and then we're going to hand it to our pastors in this church. The reason I ask her to pray is because whatever I didn't do well, she'll put the icing on it with prayer. But this is a prayer warrior. Would you just pray over Pastor and Pastor's wife? In fact, I just want you to leave the piano. It's all right. Nehemiah didn't have a Roland in his day, but he had Yahweh. You want to leave that guitar down for me? Why don't you come down here and stand? Nehemiah didn't have a guitar, but he was making music while he worked on the wall. Brother percussion player, will you lay your drumsticks at the feet of Jesus and come on down and pick up the spear and sword? Brother, I, I, I tell you, you're one of the finest guitar players. But would you lay it at the feet of Jesus and come down here and stand with your comrades? Now, I know that's unusual for an overseer to say, stop the music because in Pentecost we don't think we can have an altar call without it. But this is a Nehemiah moment for this church. And we leave you with this blessing and with this charge. The reason I had them to come down because when Nehemiah was found unhindered by Sanballat and Tobiah, he said, everybody's going to gather around the wall and we're going to do our part. And he gave them three things. Everybody say, worship. Everybody say work. work. And everybody say warfare. warfare. And they did all three of them at the same time. But hence we hear these words. And therefore we finished the wall. Because we had a mind to work. Join hands across this building. Kimberly, I believe God's anointed you tonight to pray this prayer. Father, we thank you for the power of prayer and agreement. I thank you for this precious congregation and this wonderful pastor and his wife and family. God, I sense your presence doing something incredible here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for an uncommon um, willingness to focus on what you've called this body to do and what you've called them to be here in this community and around. Father, I pray that you would cause them to have laser beam focus, for their ears to be attuned to what you have appointed and called them to do. Father, in a world where there's constant distractions and detouring, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak right now a supernatural ability to focus and be determined to do all that you've called them to do. And Father, I pray when all is said and done that this congregation would stand back even though they believe they would stand amazed. That's how great you are. You are awesome. You are faithful. You are full of goodness and mercy, some of which we don't deserve. But I am grateful you give, not according to our, our uh, 
ability to do or to be, but just simply because of who you are. I just pray a special blessing over this pastor and his wife and the, the Sluter family. God, I just pray that you would just wrap your arms around them. Let them feel your strength, your undergirding. I pray in the name of Jesus that the peace of God that passes all understanding would just be over them, would be over them like hot oil, touching every part of their life, no matter what stands before them or around them, that, God, your peace would be just completely penetrating every part of their life. And, Father, that they would have an assurance that you go before them. And, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the angels of the Lord would surround them and protect them and that no weapon formed against them would be able to prosper. We commit this congregation and the vision of the house into your hands. And your word says whatever we commit to you, you are able to keep. So we ask that in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bishop, for sharing your heart, sharing the word. God is in control. Amen. Say it with me. God has a plan. Say it again. God has a plan. Let's close with these words. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Be here Sunday. You will be blessed. Amen. Avengers Tim Mays.